everyone. Hope you're keeping safe. This is Krisa Turaki, co-CEO at InVR. You're listening to another keynote episode at the Energy Hall of Fame, featuring Bojana Chowski, Secretary General at GIE, Gas Infrastructure Europe. And today is a very special day because we will be debating the gas future of Europe, markets, strategic gas infrastructure projects, hydrogen, which is a very sexy topic nowadays, right? And last but not least, her very beautiful home country, Bulgaria. So let's dig in. But first, let me welcome my co-hostess, Madalena. Hi, Mada. Thank you, Chris, and good morning. Boyana, welcome to our podcast, How is Everything? Yes, thank you for having me here. Everything is fine. Looking forward to a very nice 2021 <laughs> ahead of us. True. Happy New Year, if we can still say this. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Boyana, I'm just going to start straight with your profile, and I would like to hear more about who you are, about yourself and your background, and to get a, a bit more understanding of why you're here with us today before we go into talking about uh, the GIE. Yes, uh, so I'm Boyana. And I'm a Secretary General of an association which is called Gas Infrastructure Europe, uh, when we are home of almost 70 members uh, which are operating the gas infrastructure within Europe and companies which are coming from 27 different countries. I've been with an association for quite a very long time already. I'm starting more or less my, my ninth year together with, with the colleagues there. So my energy actually and the way that in my career in energies it's also been already probably 11 years which was not a planned career to be honest because <laughs> i have graduated from international economic relations i have a master in finance i used to work uh, in the european institutions so i have been in the european parliament mm -hmm. dealing a little bit with topics which are more related to international cooperation so this journey actually was was absolutely not planned and when this possibility came to enter the Bulgarian infrastructure operator, Bulgarian very long time ago, I actually thought that most probably that would be a good exper experiment in my career path because um, I was not planning that and I didn't have uh, the necessary that much experience on that time. So basically, I didn't even thought on spending so much time within the industry because, you know, in principle, and that's some of the things that we are discussing probably today is that uh, women, let's say, probably are not that many within this, this energy field because it's a True. technical kind of a field, um, a lot of engineer expertise, which uh, sometimes people are thinking it's, it's more of a, a manish profile, let's say, in this perspective. So I started in uh, 2010 uh, within uh, the Bulgarian company and actually uh, two years, two years and a half after I've been there, I actually moved to the association, which of course the Bulgarian member was, was already there. And uh, mm -hmm. it was another short-term <laughs> experience foreseen ahead of me. So I was supposed to be in Brussels and to represent uh, our company for only for three years. 
and look at me where I am now. So it's been already a very long, <laughs> long time. So I've been a deputy secretary general within Gas Infrastructure Europe for four years. And I've been now a secretary general for, I'm, I'm starting my fifth year. So quite a, quite a long and interesting experience, which gave me a possibility to have a very global overview within uh, uh, the, the European, um, let's say, different members that we are having, the agenda that our members are having ahead of this very ambitious goal towards the, the decarbonization activities. So it's mm-hmm. a really an interesting uh, job that I'm having. I have a great team also in, uh, in, in settled in Brussels, great colleagues, which are very much determined <laughs> towards uh, the activities of our members. So together with the team of uh, Gas Infrastructure Europe, with the board that we are having from very high level people from different uh, member companies, let's say, and the president of of gas infrastructure in Europe, we're really looking forward of what we can deliver as a member of companies and to contribute, let's say, to this uh, interesting path ahead of us of decarbonizing our systems and really supporting Europe of, of being technological leader in regards to, to reduction of uh, CO2 emissions. Perfect. That was a very good, well, holistic uh, overview of, of yourself and the organization. I want to ask uh, just uh, a few more questions about your your current role uh, and what it entails. So you're the secretary general, and and I'm very happy. Like we we see more and more women in energy. I know that someone might say, you know, it's not important. You know, it's the person, but not the woman. But we we all know that this industry we need to shake it up a bit, maybe a bit more. So it's very important, and I want to know. What your your day to day role entails, if that's okay with you? Yes, sure. So actually, there are more and more women in energy. We have a good example of that by giving a look at the European Commission staff, including their president Ursula von der Leyen and mm-hmm. many other high level represent. Because we have a couple of women now which are leading different DGs in in uh, European Commission. So they also send clear signals uh, when giving guidelines about, uh, let's say, different speaking panel composition during events. So gender equality is is very much strongly recommended. We as an association, Mm -hmm. actually, we have a very big event uh, that we are organizing annually, uh, our annual conference. So Two years ago, uh, when we were doing the event in in Paris, actually, we had decided at the end of the event, because it's a very big event, two days, a lot of content, sometimes a heavy content for people to to think and to follow the whole day, the program. We have decided to have something at the end as a panel, which is, let's say, a little bit more not that much into the topic, but still representing the industry. So we created this panel, Women in Energy. And then we found nice. out that actually, so we, of course, invited only women as speakers. And we have found that after these ladies who are high-level high representatives from different companies, uh, they were sharing, of course, their experience or how they became uh, leaders, uh, how they uh, found their way towards the, the sea level, let's say. Uh, but uh, the, there was a very interesting um, moment at the end when was the 
question and answer uh, session at the end, uh, the people who are actually mostly interested to intervene was actually the male representatives uh, having questions towards women. So we found out that we would like mm -hmm. to, so this is something interesting and, and give a, a very good uh, flavor to the very serious discussions, let's say. So we, we had decided afterwards to continue working in, uh, on the perspective. So we had created uh, a dedicated, let's say, project within our social campaigns and presented, let's say, all the women that we have within our industry, which was also good exercise by giving them a possibility to share a few words in relation to their daily, daily activities. In my side, of course, I'm finding myself very often on sitting myself surrounded only by guys within different debates, uh, within my daily activities, within the working groups that we are having, but mainly on the conferences. It's really often to see myself surrounded by, by guys uh, answering to questions and trying to, let's say, put forward our thoughts in relation to the industry. But what is the other interesting thing that I found myself, it was probably three, four years ago, that the team that we were having, the secretariat in Gas Infrastructure Europe, which is settled in Brussels, was only composed by women. <laughs> so you see that sometimes, uh, uh, considering the fact that indeed the experts uh, which are coming to our working groups are really a lot of engineers, a lot of intelligence that course people which are more represented the different gender let's say but there was a situation that we were in Brussels let's say the office was 100% only women this changed to be honest oh, because okay. now it's we have mm -hmm. a very very good and balanced team so you can feel also that this balance is giving a very let's say good ground to to us and towards our work but this is something that we start to to find ourselves used to that uh, now uh, on the debates so when we create agenda not only we because we are working with many stakeholders and different associations because in brussels there is a the circle of all the industry that are really working on association level so once we are setting up agendas for big events or something that we would like to be influential we always pay attention to make sure that there would be at least two three female speakers to make mm -hmm. sure that that, that we, we are providing also balanced expertise on the topics that we would like to discuss and the influence we would like to put forward, let's say. I really like it. Yeah, it should be the way forward, Boyana. I know that many of the listeners will have an idea about the organization, about the association. So if you could tell us in a nutshell, because we're going to go into more uh, detail about, uh, you know, specific topics and about the vision and everything. What does the GIE represent? What, what do you guys do in a nutshell? So we are an association. Our association represents the interest of uh, European gas infrastructure operators. Our members are active in transmission, in storage, and regasification via LNG terminals. So we operate many types of gases, from renewable to low-carbon molecules. We are also working on, on hydrogen perspective, natural gas, and biomethane. So we are really gathering, as I mentioned, 70 industry entities from a number of European countries, uh, 2027. So this really enables us to hear out uh, the multiple 
assets and challenges faced by the member states from an energy, but also from cultural point of view. And it's a really, really interesting daily life that we have with the team, which is settled in Brussels. So we are really grateful for having this possibility of working with so many different uh, countries and companies who are having their agenda towards the, the common efforts in relation to, to decarbonization processes. Indeed. Great. So, uh, because we also have listeners from around the world, so I wanted them to get more familiarized with uh, with the, the association, what it represents and what you guys do, because it's very important and you are one of the most uh, crucial components uh, to what's currently happening in terms of infrastructure and, and gas. Now, yes. <laughs> now, in terms of your vision, it says that by 2050, the gas infrastructure will be actually the backbone of this new innovative energy system. And I want to ask you if um, such gasification is possible within the next 30 years, or if this is something that, you know, um, it's a wishful thinking and we will need to kind of take it with a pinch of salt. Yes, thank you for this question. It's actually an essence of what we are trying to do. So we as an association really share the ambition that uh, Europe have of reaching climate neutrality by 2050. So to establish a stronger and more innovative Europe, our members are, let's say, already initiating num- number of uh, pilot projects to support the deployment of uh, low carbon and renewable hydrogen. So by 2050, Let's say the gas infrastructure is really expected uh, to be the backbone indeed of new innovative energy systems. So this energy system will more and more expected to be integrated and to have a possibility really to allow, let's say, European citizens to benefit from having an efficient, uh, sustainable energy supply, but also a secured one, right? Because security of supply is one of our let's say, strongest points that we are providing towards uh, the citizens. So there are many initiatives which are taken um, at the European level to, let's say, transport and store hydrogen molecules, such as hydrogen backbones, uh, which is developed by 11 GA members, where they're really putting forward a lot of knowledge of what is feasible. So GIE, the association that I represent, uh, also recently published uh, two very interesting studies on the matter that can be found on our website. So first is how we can, what could be the future role of the LNG terminals Mm. and how they can increase the decarbonization of our economy. That was a task that was given to us by the Commission and we really provide four different paths on what is feasible to to decarbonize, let's say, also via LNG terminals. And the other possibilities that we would like to really showcase in this perspective and how we can contribute to 2050, because that was your question in the next Mm -hmm. 30 years, is, let's say, what legislation could allow term energy storage to unleash the, the decarbonization potential? Because the storages are also showing a lot of potential to to carry the different solutions, not only natural gas. Mm -hmm. So that's the vision that we're having. And this is something that makes us busy to really contribute and to showcase what kind of innovative solutions we can provide towards uh, achieving this, this important path on the transition processes. 
we truly believe that this will happen. And we also believe that uh, the contribution that we are having as infrastructure, because there's a lot of assets put there and invested for the years, right? Which could be used in this transition process in the most, let's say, financially benefits towards the society. True. Because we think that cost benefits for the society will be best by using this existing infrastructure. already. Very true, very true. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think you touched on a few topics that are very interesting and very common to hear nowadays in Europe, which is definitely the energy security that governments have been trying to establish, uh, especially in the last years. But also the decarbonization process that we've seen that kind of speed up during COVID, which is something very interesting to acknowledge that throughout 2020, it's impressive the amount of big IOCs and other companies that really decided to be or to make a bigger commitment as for where should we stay or stand in a few years in terms of CO2 emissions and the overall impact in the environment, right? But we always try to understand if this new urge of decarbonization extremely fast, if this is a, a massive shift that is here to stay in the industry, or should we think that this is temporary because of the whole scenario that comes with COVID-19 and probably it will then uh, not be a priority any longer? Uh, well, it, it's a very interesting question, um, uh, but I don't believe really it's a, it's a temporary thing. It is a goal that we need to, to deliver as an industry, and it, it is a goal which is a, a kind of um, a responsibility towards the citizens and, and towards also our our future, right, and, and our kids. So our goal is that um, as an industry, let's say, that gas infrastructure is, is really moving from theory to reality because you definitely say it's it's a lot of push and you can say of course um, it is a, a really a, a speed in this perspective which also came with the agenda of, of uh, the new president of the European Commission but it is very important at the end right so we need to deliver and that's why we are moving to reality so our crucial goal is really to support uh, this, um, to support, let's say, the continent to overcome the challenges which are related to, to climate and also to the pandemic. So our society is really drastically changing and, and business as usual does not exist anymore. So we want to make this change positive on the long term. So for that, we need to apply innovative thinking, right? And to be efficient uh, to, to the solutions that are taken by the institution and needs to be sustainable and inclusive. So today, our industry actually provides more than 50,000 jobs. And we also offer affordable solutions to citizens and industry. So this, for instance key to ensure the, the, the post-pandemic recovery, because recovery after the pandemic is really a key question how it's going to, 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 to happen. So it's crucial when, when supporting some of uh, the European regions that are now facing out calls, for example, because this is a question that very much is within our agenda. And our industry is also strengthening the energy security within uh, the continent and enhance the connectivity between the, the member states. So to give you an idea, we are responsible for almost 25% uh, in the primary energy consumption. So, and as we mentioned, renewable energy is at the center of the energy revolution and we are really, it's something that we are facing. So 
we have a crucial role to play in accelerating this deployment. And hydrogen is promising molecule that it is pivotal element uh, of the future energy system. So gas infrastructure really offers um, a sustainable and affordable options to, to transport and store it. Let's say large volumes of renewable. So as I mentioned from the beginning, we stand ready with uh, our extensive uh, infrastructure and our tremendous capacity to, to innovate and also the willingness. Exactly. Boyana, that was a good question, Madalena. And Boyana, thank you very much for elaborating. It takes me to my, my favorite question of the day, probably, that is more about the nitty-gritty uh, European gas projects and infrastructure that have... Uh, you know, have just been completed. I don't know if, Boyana, you, you're aware, but we've been supporting the Trans-Adriatic Pipeline for a very long time now with a lot of promotion, with helping out to, you know, with local societies and, and communities, and of course, with a very inter-Balkanic, uh, cross-Balkanic, I mean, advocates of, of such a cooperation. And I'm very, very happy to see that it has been completed and there is gas flowing. I'm, I'm amazed. I want to get your thoughts on this project. Like, how will the completion of, of the current completion of the, of the, of TAP, as well as the planned, uh, East Mediterranean pipeline, how will they affect the region? Uh, how will they affect uh, energy security in Europe? What will the impact be for the European energy distribution market? Thank you for this question, especially considering the fact that I'm also coming from the Balkans. Because <laughs> 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 I'm a, a Bulgarian and um, I used to work a very long time ago also on the projects which were related to the interconnectivity of Bulgaria, which was something that on that time many years ago we, we even didn't had. It's a serious question about uh, the interconnectivity and, and the security of supply that the region needs. So in this perspective, it's, it's a very good, uh, good question and happy to see that uh, it, it's already completed. So for short and medium term perspective, the gas uh, will still have its part in the energy mix uh, in, in the region. So Southeast Europe, uh, especially for, let's say, the power generation and heating, so the individual and district heating and cooling by replacing coal uh, or oil to gas. So we know the, the crucial role that natural gas will have. So transport both road and sea. Most of the countries uh, have a sea access by using uh, also LNG. The, the mid for gas infrastructure developed in the region is very much considered on, on, on the European level. So uh, the total numbers of PCI decreased uh, on the European level, as you probably know, but the number of PCI in the salt and gas corridor increased from 11 to 12, backing up uh, the projects like TAP, uh, Brua, Interconnection Greece, IG, IGB project, Alexandropolis, LNG terminals. There is a lot of confirmed potential of uh, gas exploration in the Black Sea, as we know from ONV Petroms Neptune. Plans to connect Europe to, to large reserve in, in Mediterranean Sea via pipelines, uh, East Med or LNG. So in conclusion, we can really expect that the future flows to come to, to the region via uh, the infrastructure and the new sources uh, where TAP is also taking place. It's important. So happy to see that, that this is already completed. It is in increasingly important for the for the region indeed
and can address the diversification of the import routes and, and sources for this kind of meaningful infrastructure and, and the development in this perspective. By the way, speaking about the region, right, because this was also a very hot topic for us uh, one or two weeks ago in our Mediterranean Gas and Energy Week. By the way, Boyana, thank you again for, for joining us and, and to share some of this information with all our audience. But maybe it might be interesting that we go back uh, in time exactly to look at this presentation because you spoke about decarbonizing the gas infrastructure in both Central Eastern and then South uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, with a sustainable recovery. I don't know if you want to spend some minutes um, also sharing the main thoughts of, of this presentation with our listeners. Yes, first of all, thank you for having me there. It was a, a very nice experience. I had a possibility to moderate uh, the session and to really hear from different experts for, for different countries within the region on their perspective on what the way that they see the decarbonization processes within the region. But we really consider, and this is an important topic that we are leading actually as an association. So we are considering the role of the regions to be really pivotal, let's say, in making the energy transition happen. But to achieve this common objective, uh, let's say multiple solutions for the region and country-specific situation really needs to be taken into consideration. Because specifically, when it comes to, to defining the right energy mix of the member states, our members are really convinced that there is no one-size-fits-all, let's put it that way, solution. So in this perspective, um, we think that the programs and the policies um, that are coming from the policymakers should be really tailored to the local conditions because the, the countries are having different specifics. So such um, a regional aspect is especially visible in the, in the region, let's say Central Eastern or Southeastern Europe, where the reliance on coal is really significant. So in the next um, decades, let's say the natural gas, as I mentioned, will play a really important role within this region in, let's say, substituting coal in power generation, in providing flexibility in the, in the electricity systems, which we know that would be preferably used much more. So for this part of Europe, the, the, the coal to gas switch therefore represents the first most reasonable fast-tracked and economically viable decarbonization pathway. So furthermore, let's say building on already strong and well-developed infrastructure, so the gas assets will step-by-step step gradually accommodate a growing share of renewable and low-carbon gases and really play a key role in fully decarbonized energy systems across Europe. So again, in this perspective, it's good to see that new projects are already uh, going to be, let's say, uh, put in place and, and fully operational. A really good answer, Boyana. And I would like to know your opinion on something else. And I will stay a bit longer in the summit and looking into some ideas that were exchanged. I think you already mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that one of the key uh, strategies that we can have to uh, keep energy very accessible and affordable to societies is really to take advantage out of infrastructure. 
that is currently uh, in place, right? And one of the things that was mentioned is that maybe Italy could repurpose their oil and gas pipelines for hydrogen uh, distribution, which also seems like a really good option to help the continents to decarbonize. So do you think this is viable? And do you think that this could create new opportunities for countries or currently gas nodes? What is your thought about it? Yes, I'm going to share with you a very interesting story, which uh, people really, really like when we start talking about Italy. And Italy, and especially our member company there, which is NAM, uh, one, they, they actually have the, the biggest pipeline infrastructure in Europe. They always very like to put forward. So SNAM is uh, actually the first company in Europe that introduced a mix of hydrogen and natural gas in its uh, high pressure transmission network. So, and uh, initiative, uh, it's really aimed to advancing the energy transition through a promotion of hydrogen as a clean energy source. So the pilot project, uh, which successfully took place in, um, in Contorsi, let's say, in the province of Salermo, um, which was started, I think, in December 2019, involves supplying of uh, 10% hydrogen natural gas mixture for a month uh, to two industrial companies in, in the area. And one of them is a pasta factory. And the other one is a mineral water bottling company. But this pasta factory, because everybody likes pasta, it's very much connected to Italy. So people really like to see products uh, that they can eat, let's say, which was supplied in, in this perspective. So the project uh, generated why international interests uh, defined um, actually by some media. So Bloomberg uh, said that this is a really shift towards greener energy sources. So some other uh, media called it historic uh, project. So at present, SNAM is really committed to, to verifying the full capability, let's say, of uh, infrastructure that can increase amounts of hydrogen mixed within natural gas, as well as uh, studying hydrogen production from, let's say, renewable electricity. So our members are really, of course, Italy is a great example, but there are other projects in this perspective. And our members are already working on repurposing, let's say, retrofitting their access. And um, it's very important and good to see that their governments support them actively in this so it's good to see that Spain, France, Germany, Portugal also broke the eyes on this. Of course, we have great examples of coming from, from the Netherlands. So a lot of, uh, a lot of push. Uh, and I think I've mentioned from the beginning that we are really moving from, let's say, uh, really, really moving from theory to reality. <laughs> so that was another, another good uh, example in this perspective. Wow, I had no clue. Yeah, we all know that Italy has been uh, at the forefront of this. And the reason, well, it's very funny because we had this conversation during the summit at some point. I can't remember if it was on record or off record, but we were discussing about how Italy uh, might have been a pioneer in the energy transition because it was uh, one of the first countries to kind of... Um, sabotage the the upstream sector the oil and gas upstream sector and and make it way more difficult for uh, oil and gas companies to operate in the country especially in the in the offshore and the country has a big potential in terms of geology right and i know this is not your bread and butter but uh, it showed some commitment and i'm never surprised when i hear that italy is like really leading the way and and pivoting and the rest, we are amazed by, you know, what their engineering, great engineering minds come uh, come up with next. 
Yeah, true. So they're really very much looking forward in this perspective, uh, our member there in Italy. So there is even a, a book which is called Generation H, which very much goes, uh, I mean, it's it's Generation H means hydrogen, which is written by, by their CEO that the results of the experimentation uh, shows that could have a positive impact in the kick-starting of green hydrogen economy and, and reach Europe's decarbonization targets. Wow. I'm a note of the book because I... I... Yeah. <laughs> Here as well. Thank you, Vianna. <laughs> We're st- we've started the book club, Boyana, by the way, in the company, and uh, we're just adding this uh, on the list of we really have to um, go through. <laughs> you know, if you don't find it, because uh, I don't, I don't know if if this is something that you can easily find. I'm happy to provide it to you. <laughs> oh, aren't you the nicest? That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question that I really want to discuss. As you know, I'm I'm just opening the floor to to you both. And I want to talk about my, again, my favorite tiny uh, place in the world, the Balkans. And I want to hear more about Bulgaria because uh, we've been promoting this region so much. And we've seen it, I mean, since 2012 that I took up on that that huge project to promote the, the region, uh, mainly not just the upstream, actually, like the, the midstream as well. I would say that we have seen it going up and down and changing directions, things failing, things moving forward. And I want to hear more about your perspective on Bulgaria's energy future and what it entails. So where, where is it now? It would be good to, to hear more about the country. Yes, uh, so uh, Bulgaria is actually uh, a really lovely country, which is in the Balkans, uh, close to to Greece, uh, Turkey, and also to to Romania, uh, with a lot of sun, uh, with a very bright sky, and (laughs) with also a lot of snow during the winter. So actually, from my point of view, because um, on the energy perspective, because this is actually your question, we have a very stable, I mean, of course, uh, I can mostly talk about uh, the infrastructure that we are having. We are having a very, quite well developed infrastructure. We have a storage, uh, Chiren storage. And actually, we are engaging ourselves um, in projects. Uh, One of them uh, was already delivered for interconnectivity. Uh, which is interconnector with uh, with Romania. We are having this uh, project interconnectivity between Bulgaria and Greece, which will also be ready soon. So another possibility for the infrastructure to have, let's say, a diversification of routes and possibilities, let's say. There is another project with uh, um, Serbia. So we see that, let's say, at least on the purposes for security of supply, we had, we did a lot of steps after the crisis that we had uh, more than 10 years, 11 years ago. So definitely in this perspective, we are having an extremely stable situation nowadays. There's a lot of uh, projects which are uh, heavily, let's say, debated and promoted uh, the Balkan uh, stream, the, the hub that we would we see a potential that is going to, to be good to be established as well. So uh, in this perspective, I know that the energy ministry is also considering seriously all the goals that the Europe is uh, setting in the perspective for the member states in relation to the goals that needs to achieve. So we are really following the program that uh, the Europe 
European member states will be needed, let's say, to, to develop in this perspective. As I mentioned, as every regional country that, that we have, uh, we need to pay attention on the specifics let's say, and the importance of the regional aspects in relation, let's say, on the real, the role, the very important role that natural gas is really playing within the region. Indeed, indeed. Perfect. Boyana, that was my final uh, official question. I've learned a lot today. To be frank, and I'm, I'm happy very, to hear that. Uh, for sure, for sure. We don't, uh, next podcast will be with uh, Francisco de la Flor from Enagas. So, you know, we want to understand even more the puzzle, but that, that will take us more towards the, the Western, uh, Western Europe. But it's, it's so good to talk about infrastructure and gas master plans and whatnot, because uh, most of the speakers we had were, you know, on the podcast would discuss more about the upstream and the opportunities there and the changes and energy transition. And this has been a really great lesson, not just for us, I'm sure for everyone uh, that's been following us on the podcast. I'm very glad we had this discussion because it opened a door to so many other conversations we need to have and, and brainstorming. Yes, thank you for having me here. Uh, it was a really lovely experience. And um, honestly, I found it as a very, very good project, a great project of, uh, of you guys. So I wish you a lot of success with this. And uh, I know Francisco very well. He's uh, he's a person within our board um, and a very knowledgeable person with a very yes, incredible global incredible. perspective on uh, and, and a lot of background <laughs> as well within the industry. He is one of my favorite people in the industry. I've said it. I've said it a couple of times uh, publicly, but he really is incredible and. I think that it will fit very well your your perspective and and what we you know uh, exchanged today and what we learned today. So I think that will be a really big hit. We could even make a mashup with uh, you know the two different perspectives, opinions, and how they complement each other. By the way, uh, Francisco is an extremely good expert on a topic that our industry would really like to be seen as a, as a pioneer. And as we didn't discuss this today, but you can ask him to. He can be in any case very much focused on methane emissions and what our industry is doing mm. in this perspective to reduce them. Noted down. That was great. Boyana, thank you as well from my side and we hope to have you soon around, okay? We'll stay in touch. <laughs> yes, we stay in touch. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Take care.